Welcome to all of you who are here in the room this morning, as well as all of you watching online. We're glad that each and every one of you have chosen to be with us. And I just want to echo what the uh, video communicated, a big thank you from all of us and leadership and our entire church body for in any way you might have uh, been part of the Christmas store that we partnered with to to make happen at, at CDC, whether you brought in things or you served on setup or tear down or on the night of shopping. It was a real blessing to be able to serve alongside uh, many of you personally for me. Uh, we were able to see uh, 100 uh, families uh, take part, about 100 families take part in that shopping, uh, representing about 400 kids. And so for, for all the contributions that Calvary made in that, in that partnership, we value our ministry partners, and CDC is one of those that we, we really value highly. And so thank you for that. Uh, we, our, our ministry partnerships are, are ones that, that we want to continue to invest in. And, you know, uh, and sometimes uh, you wonder about the spiritual fruit that is coming from those kind of things. And, and I want to encourage you to continue to pray for those partners that we have uh, throughout our ministry. CDC is one of them. Another one of those is, is a partnership that we have with, with Send, uh, Send International's uh, Diaspora Ministry that's led by Tom and Lisa Engelman. And we got some great news uh, from Tom and Lisa that, that one of the families, one of the refugee families here in, Met, in Detroit, Metro Detroit that they have been working with, uh, the mother and her children, uh, five children, prayed to receive Jesus as Savior. And so we were so excited. I believe that might be the first uh, salvation that happened in their ministry. And it was one of the families actually, again, talk about the way things all work together. One of the, one of the families that we uh, provided backpacks for and uh, I was actually able to be in, in her home. And so that, n- nothing to do with that leading, that, that leading to, to her coming to faith. Uh, she was in, in, fa- in part of a, a conversation with, a, with an Iranian believer and uh, was going through some, some video lessons with her. And so that led to her coming to know uh, uh, Christ as Savior. But to just have that, that name and that face and uh, a, tr- a very tragic story that, that brought her here. And yet now uh, she is one of our, our sisters in Christ. And isn't that amazing to think about? how God is at work in that way. So thank you for your continued investment. Thank you for praying for Tom and Lisa, for, for CDC, and f- excuse me, for Hope Clinic, for our many other ministry partners. We really, really appreciate it. And we want to continue to let you know about these things that are happening, how God as, is at work uh, definitely in our midst. One little, uh, one little update we want to also remind you of just before I get into the word today is uh, many of you know who are a part of Calvary that we have a business meeting actually twice a year and, and 2020 has been a little bit strange, right? And so uh, our schedule got thrown off a little bit, but we will be having a business meeting. Uh, you'll be getting more details in the next couple of weeks, but we want you to kind of mark your calendars for those of you who, are, who want to be a part of that. It'll be on Sunday, January 10th, uh, so two weeks from today. Uh, most likely it will be um, in, the, in the evening time, and we'll be getting you all the details about in-person, online, all of that kind of stuff. But kind of have that, uh, make a note maybe in your phone or uh, however you keep track of your appointments uh, for that that's coming up on Sunday, June 10th, or June 10th. I wish it was June 10th. Anybody else wish it was June 10th? Yes. Yeah. Sunday, January 10th. Sorry. Sorry to, sorry to be the buzzkill there uh, this morning. We've been in the month of uh, December in this uh, series called God in Our Midst. Uh, we said it could have been God in our mess, right? Because life is messy. Life uh, is messy always 
We might feel it a little bit more real <laughs> this year. As, you know, in our pre-service meeting, we were saying how, you know, it's the last Sunday of 2020, and yet as we flip the calendar, right, from 2020 to 2021 this week, it's not like everything is going to change, right? There's still going to be mess. There's still going to be chaos. There's still going to be problems. There's still going to be tragedy. There's still going to be sickness. There's still going to be death. You're like, wow, you are a real downer today, Dave, right? But you know that's our experience. When sin entered the world, what, what came with it? Mess. Sickness and death and tragedy and miscarriages of justice and unrest and all of that, right? And yet, God steps into that. God steps right into that in the incarnation, in the gift of his son, in the person of Jesus Christ to bring us, and what was our first theme that we looked at? We talked about hope. That in the midst of our despair and gloom, our sadness and discouragement, that even though we might feel all torn up inside, even though we might be feeling depressed and down and discouraged and gloomy, that, that, that God calls us to put our hope in him because he is and he's here. We also remember that he is love, right? God is love. And again, in the midst of anger and hatred and scorn, when we have so much contempt for one another, and in fact, sometimes even apathy about, about, one, about one another. God is, is love, and we can, we can experience his love, and then we can experience this incredible thing of the love that we have for one another and the family of God and our, our love for God and our, our love that's lived out. In fact, one of the greatest testimonies that we have to the world is the way in which we love one another in the family of God with our sisters and brothers. And also in a, in a time and in a life experience where oftentimes it's, it's, it's about sorrow and disappointment. Maybe you're discontented or frustrated, burdened, maybe even despondent. God offers you the gift of joy. We can experience joy. It is a, it is a gift, but it also takes a little bit of commitment what do we have to do? We have to set our minds, not on the things that we're experiencing, not all of the, the stuff that I just described, the despair, the anger, the contempt. We don't ignore it, but we have, we have a context for it, our experience of it by, by setting our mind on the things above, the things of God, rather than being focused on our circumstances. We may not always be happy because our happiness is all about circumstances. I wasn't thrilled about shoveling snow this, this, uh, th- th- this week, and probably nobody was. But some of, uh, some of you might have been, you know, the whole white Christmas thing and blah, blah, blah and all that. Uh, I'm not trying to be all scroogey and everything, but, you know, you got to still shovel the stuff regardless of what day it is, right? So joy is real. Love is real. Hope is real. And then on Christmas Eve, just a few days ago, we talked about how even though the world is, because of sin, the world is filled with death. Physical death and spiritual death is the reality as a result of the consequence of sin. But God offers us life. Jesus says he is life and he is the giver of life. We actually looked at that uh, a few weeks ago when we were in in John chapter 5. We spent some time about how Jesus is the one who can give life because he's the one who possesses life because he is life. And he gives us life, life in abundance. Remember that, that, that word that we, we focused on on Christmas Eve about how, how God, God wants to give us a life that's super abundant, that's over and above, that's you know, almost beyond measure. The one that we could never even dream for ourselves, that's the kind of life he wants to give us. He wants to give us that life now, and he also, of course, wants to give us that life in eternity. So in 
in, in, in the midst of all that we're experiencing, all of those, those things that are, that are tough for us to deal with, God brings through the person and the gift of his son Jesus, he brings hope, he brings love, he brings joy, and he brings life. The last thing we want to uh, handle in this, in this series is we want to talk this morning about peace. And I again recognize that so much of what we experience is the opposite of peace. It's chaos and stress, right? It's strain, it's tension. There's a lot of conflict and violence. There's turmoil. In fact, you could say it's, it's almost like it's madness, right? It's almost like it's madness. You know, we, we know though that peace is such a prominent part of the message of scripture, especially as it relates to the gift of the Messiah, that long-awaited anointed one. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter nine, a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That word peace in the, in the original language in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom, is a, it's, a, it's a very broad term that means health and security, tranquility. It refers to a good condition, uh, success, comfort, and much more. It's got lots of layers. It's a, 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 really a word of a, a significant depth. It, it also has these layers of meaning that are related to peace, and it's, it's widely used in the Hebrew Bible. It, it depicts uh, this, this condition of somebody who's being satisfied. And, and that last line, if you see it, it's, a, it's an unconcerned state of peacefulness. It's a, it was used by, by uh, Jews to, to greet one another and to say goodbye to one another. It's like a, a, what, something you're wishing upon someone else that God's, God's peace would be with them. And it, it's a word that describes, again, it's one of the titles of the, of the Messiah. When, when Isaiah was writing there in, in, in verse 9, when he was inspired by God to prophesy in that manner, he was saying that the Messiah would be the prince of peace. He would be the ruler of peace. And yet at the same time, there's an interesting dynamic. We know that Jesus said something somewhat, uh, almost like in contrast to that, related to some teaching that he offered to his followers in, in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus says this. Remember, Isaiah called him the Prince of Peace. And then Jesus says in Matthew 10, 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Wait a second, you are the Prince of Peace. He goes on to say in verse 35, for I have come, I'm sorry, I'll finish that sentence, or that, that verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake We'll find it. When Jesus speaks there in Matthew 10 and talks about the, the, the division that he is, is almost like facilitating, I think it's important for us to understand that, and, and this is the, the, the way in which I, can, I think we reconcile all that I'm going to say about peace and, and how important it is and how it's such a key aspect to, to the Messiah and the, and the call of the believer, is that 
we know that conflict will find us because of our faith in Christ Jesus. We don't have to go looking for a fight. Conflict and chaos, it will find us. If we are faithful, if we do what the, the, the biggest point that Jesus is making there is, I have come that you, I might be the supreme person in your life. The relationship with me is that which is more important than any other relationship you, you have. Your relationship with your best friend, relationship with your significant other, with your spouse, spouse, with your child, with your parent. No one else has the priority that I have in your life. And if you don't understand that, there will be division in your household, right? That's what he's communicating here. He's calling for us, for him to be first in our lives. And if Jesus is first in our lives, again, it will find us. We really don't have to go looking for it because there will be things in society, in our own families, that, where conflict will arise. So it's not like this, it's not like this uh, Jesus is giving you a, a calling to go after and, and be someone who's looking for a fight. I don't think that's what he's trying to communicate there. His main point is make me first, and then when, you are, when I am first in your life, that will lead to at times there's going to be conflict because of the fact that other people might want to take the place of where he rightly has in your life. And who is he? He's Lord of all. So having said that, let's take a look at this whole concept of peace and how it's to, it is a, such a key aspect to his ministry. Even understanding again that we may not always experience it if he's first in our lives. I said that, that the, uh, the uh, pro- uh, prophet Isaiah he prophesied about the Prince of Peace coming, right? And it was a, an important part of the angelic uh, uh, announcement as well. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts. These are, this is the heavenly host uh, appearing to the, to the shepherds with the angel. They were praising God and saying as they, as they appeared to the shepherds on that night then Jesus was born, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Just as the word shalom in Hebrew is a very multi-layered word, irene, which is the, this is, that's the word for, that we translate into peace in our English Bibles here in, in the New Testament, is also a very powerful word. It refers to a national state of tranquility. It means uh, that, 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 that nation or that city-state is, is in harmony and safety. It's, it's exempt from the, from the rage and the havoc of war. In a Christian context, it's to be understood as that that tranquil state of someone who is so assured of their salvation in and through Jesus that they, they fear nothing from God and they are content with their life. Whatever that life might look like, whatever it might have in it, even at times when, when we're experiencing conflict, even at times when we're experiencing problems, even at times, at times when it seems like things are so shaky and messy and troublesome, we can have peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what that peace looks like in the life of a believer. The first thing I would suggest that we can, we can count on if we're going to have peace in and through Jesus is we are, going to have pe- we are going to be people who can walk with confidence. We don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in doubt. We can walk in confidence. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Check it out. You will have suffering in the world. It's going to happen. Problems are going to come. Struggles are going to come. It's 
a reality. That's the way the world is, right? That's why he had to step into it. He didn't step into the world because the world was perfect. It wasn't like God said, that world is a good place for me. I'm perfect. The world is becoming more perfect. I'm going to go be like the, the cherry on the top of the Sunday. No, God stepped into the mess. And he brings peace. I have told you these things so that in me, Jesus says, you may have peace. We are going to have struggles. We're going to have problems. But he encourage us, encourages us to be courageous, to have that confidence. Because why? Even though we haven't conquered the world, he has conquered the world and we can live in victory. We live in victory even in the midst of that. And that allows us to have that state where we're content, the state of contentment, that state of tranquility. It's the absence of someone who is unsettled. And again, just like we said with joy and love, these aren't things, and we're we're gonna see as we wrap up today, these aren't things that you can create on your own. These are things that are only found in and through a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. We can have confidence. We also, I believe, peace equals rest. (laughs) Jesus says in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. and You will find rest for your souls. Rest in the midst of the chaos is something that I think many of us find very elusive. To practice Sabbath, to know that we have that state of contentment, to know that we have that state of, of, again, the absence of the tension and the rage and the chaos and the madness, that we can actually experience rest. Sometimes I think we read these words of Jesus and, and it's like it sounds really good and it's something maybe we, we put on our, on our walls or, we, or, we, or we, we memorize the verse, but I don't think we allow it to sink into our hearts and actually produce it in our lives. Are you experiencing the rest? Do you, would you say, as, as I evaluate my life, I'm a person who is at rest. I'm as a person who is content. Or do you find yourself all churned up? Do you find yourself unsettled? Do you find yourself not at ease? Do you find yourself lacking contentment? Do you find yourself lacking peace? If we're experiencing Irene, if we're experiencing that which Jesus says he came to to give to us, then we will have confidence and we will have rest. Peace also is all about connection, or maybe better said, reconnection. You see, we're at one of the the main components of peace that is provided by God is peace with him. Paul says to the Romans in chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, the only way that we can experience that is through a relationship with Jesus. We will be at odds with God, even if, even if we don't feel it. Paul is suggesting here, and, I, and, and, and we believe what, what he says is, is true, that he's speaking truth when he says that the only way that we can experience peace with the Father is through the gift of the Son. And we have then that peace, we have that, that reconciliation, we have that reconnection with God that was lost because of sin. So because sin has entered the picture, we have the, 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 the angst between God and, his, and the prize of his creation, but in the gift of Jesus, we experience the reconnection, the justification. We have peace with God, we are at one with him. 
We don't, again, we're not, there's not chaos. There's not the havoc of war. There's not struggle. There's not division. But instead, there's unity. We have unity with God when we experience a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. Peace means we have confidence. Peace means we can be at rest. Peace means we are reconnected with our Father. The last couple of things I want to I share with you are, are, I think, unique features. And you've heard me talk about the, the teaching ministry style of Jesus and how he, he continually goes, uses these things kind of in an ebb and flow, sort of both sides of the same coin so, uh, approach when he's helping people to understand what it means to have life in him. And the first thing, the first thing related to that is we need to understand that peace is actually an invitation. It's a gift. It's not something we create. It's not something we can manufacture. It's not something that we have the resources to enact into our lives on our own. But instead, it's something God gives to us. It's an invitation for us to receive it. Jesus says in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's a gift. I do not give to you as the world gives. So don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Again, you can have, be at rest. You can have confidence. You don't have to let your heart be troubled or fearful. Why? Because I am giving it to you. Do you want it? Do you want to experience confidence? Do you want to experience rest? Do you want to experience reconnection? Do you want to have that state of tranquility that I came to provide for you so that you can experience that with my, with my Father and so that you can walk in that very, very uh, peace? Paul understood this gift that Jesus was giving. He wrote to the Christians at Philippi in chapter 4 and said this to them. He says, and God's peace will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that God gives is so great, we, can't under, we cannot understand it. Some of you may have had experiences like that where you're going through a very difficult time. And maybe you've got some friends who aren't followers of Jesus and these, they see you, see you and how you're experiencing, you're experiencing this tragedy or this struggle. And maybe some of them at some point have said to you, how are you going through this with having this peace about it. This is such a hard thing that you're going through. How are you experiencing the peace? And that is the kind of peace that Paul's talking about here, that even though we go through things that are inexplicable, God's peace is much even much more inexplicable. We can't even understand it. We can't even describe it. How can we be content? How can we be confident? How can we be at rest when everything around us is breaking down? But we know one thing that's not breaking down. That's our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And we can stand in that. We can rest in that. We can be confident in that because that reconnection is in place. That's the kind of gift that God wants to give to us. He desires for us to experience it. It's his will for us to experience it. So it is this invitation. It's a gift. But also, at the same time, and this, was, again, is what Jesus often does in his teaching ministry. He does issue an invitation. Would you like this? But then there's also the co- component of challenge. Will you live this? See, peace isn't only an invitation, a gift to receive, but it's a challenge or a calling to embrace. Look at what Paul said to the Colossians. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were called in one body, control your hearts. 
you have peace. Now let it control you. Don't let your worry and your angst and your stress and the chaos and the madness have the last word. Don't let it rule in your life. But instead, what is Paul saying? Let the peace of, peace of the Messiah control your heart. And if the peace of the Messiah controls your heart, if the peace of Jesus, if the peace of God controls your heart, then you will have that rest. You will have that confidence. You will have that contentment. You will have that thing that kind of is beyond understanding. It's almost more than what you could describe, more than you can comprehend. But you've got to allow it. You've got to begin to lean into that. It's kind of the same way we talk about holiness. We know that in Christ we have been, those of us who have received Jesus as Savior, have been made holy. We have the righteousness of God that has been placed within us. It's not our own righteousness. But though we are called holy people, though we are called saints, though we are called righteous, we're also called to live righteous. We're challenged to live in a righteous way. So it's that same component as it relates to the concept of peace. It's an invitation, a gift for you to receive, but it's also a calling for you to embrace. Several uh, passages of scripture allude to us living this out. One is when Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12 and he said, do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Remember how I said at the beginning that conflict's gonna find us? We're not supposed to go looking for it. This is one of those passages which I think uh, kind of illustrate that, that dynamic and that component. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. As much as it depends on you, try to pursue the path of peace. The writer of Hebrews said almost the very same thing in Hebrews chapter 12. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It's that, it's that calling for us to be at peace and to live at peace with others. And when, it, when there comes a time when, when peace is not going to exist because if it comes, to, if it comes down to it, that, that we're going to be uh, compromised in our faith and our allegiance to Christ for him being the supreme Lord of our lives, then you know what? We can't avoid that conflict. And if it means that we would have to deny Christ or, or if it means somehow that someday the gospel would be classified as hate speech or something, you know, something like that. We can't shirk back from that conflict. There are times in which, that, that just like Jesus said, <laughs> there are times in which that sword is going to be what we have to take up. But again, I, it's not something that we have to go looking for. It, it will find us. And, and until it does... Remember those two passages, those two that I just read. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Strive for peace with everyone. And when it's not possible, then yep, you know what? We got to bear the sword of Jesus in the same way that he said he came to do that very thing. We live at peace because we trust in God. Isn't that why... Paul says to the Philippians in, in chapter 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then he finishes with that verse that we read earlier, verse 7 of, of chapter 4, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can either 
try to bear that burden on our own, or instead we can live at peace by presenting all of our, our entire lives over to God so that instead of us trying to manage things and fix things and control things, we can let the peace of Christ control us so that we come to him with our prayer, with our requests, with thanksgiving, in prayer and petition, and present those things to God so that it will allow us to live in peace. Peace is a challenge. It's a calling that we have to lean into. It's a gift that God provides to us. And in that gift, we can actually experience reconnection with the Father and rest and confidence and, con- and contentment. I believe that ultimately, just in the same way, way that we said with, uh, with joy, and it really, uh, I believe, applies to hope and love as well. Ultimately, peace becomes our default setting. It actually becomes the orientation of our life. Why? Because just, in the, just as Paul mentions love and joy as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he also mentions peace as well as six other things, right? Patience, kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control. All those things are fruit of the Spirit, and they are something that becomes a, a dynamic of, of our lives because God is, is, is producing it from within us. All, we aren't producing it. But as we abide in Jesus, as we make him our focus, as we set our minds not on the things of this earth, but on the things above, as we invest in our relationship through the word, through prayer, through the practice of community, through the worship of our Father, through engaging in mission, as we engage in all of those things, God meets us with that and he begins to change us. I believe he really does. And though, though you may not be experiencing peace today, I believe he does want you to experience it. It's not about, oh, they got a more peaceful personality than I do. Or they're not, they're in their natural ability, they can experience, they, they kind of are, are just a, a less conflicted person. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about either, about you looking at your life and saying, I don't have peace and so I got to start living more peacefully. No. It's about pursuing God himself. And as we pursue the relationship with the Father, as we invest in our, in our spiritual growth, as we invest in our discipleship, as we grow up in our relationship with God, God will begin to bear those fruit in our lives. He will create in us a more loving orientation, a more joyful orientation, and yes, even a more peaceful orientation. But it's not going to happen in your own strength. It's not going to happen because you're going to grit your teeth and clench your fist and say, by gosh, I'm just going to become more peaceful today. It's not going to happen. But God invites you to experience it through him. At the end of the story in the Gospel of John, after Jesus has been crucified and He's been resurrected. He appears to the disciples. They're behind locked doors in John chapter 20. They're fearful and they are not experiencing peace. (laughs) They are very discontent. They are very churned up because they do not know what's going on and they're most likely very fearful for their own lives. They just don't know what's going to happen now that this rabbi of theirs was killed and now, you know, the, so the, supposedly the tomb's empty. They're really not sure what, you know, what's happening. Jesus appears to them in John chapter 20. 
And two times he says to them these words, peace be with you. Irene, contentment, tranquility, the absence of chaos and havoc. Peace be with you. I believe he speaks those same words to us today. He wants us to experience his peace. Everything else is chaos. Just like when I shared on Christmas Eve, he wants us to experience life in him. Everything else is death. Do you want to experience the peace of God? It's an invitation and a gift for all of us. It's a calling that we're going to have to grow in, but I really do believe that we can grow in it by the grace of God and by his power so that it really can become a characteristic of our life that we experience the peace of God. If you're not experiencing that peace today, maybe you just want to begin by acknowledging it, by acknowledging to God today that, God, I, you know, as I look at my life, I, I see more unsettledness than I do peace. I see more unrest than I do contentment. I see more chaos and havoc in my own, in my own being. I feel more churned up than settled. There is another way to live. That other way is the Jesus way. And this morning, our focus is on how it's the way of peace. I'd like for us to pray that God would begin to grow us more and more, wherever we might be on that journey, more and more into the people that are the peacemakers. We know, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, that the peacemakers are, are blessed, right? they will be called the children of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know our wills, you know where we're at in our relationship to this topic we're focusing on today. This, this thing, this reality of peace that Jesus wants to provide for us. This gift that comes from you. Help us, Lord, to receive it. Not just like with our intellect, but Lord, help us to receive it deep in our lives. May we receive it so deeply, Lord, that it actually becomes something that is an orientation of how we live. Lord, if we're, if we're not experiencing it today, help each of us to, to just acknowledge that it's lacking in our life. And come to you, Lord, asking that you would provide it in and through your son. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of peace. Thank you that you bear the fruit of, of peace in us through the presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we individually and collectively as a body might experience that spiritual growth that allows us to be genuinely seen as people who are peacemakers. Knowing that it's only your children, it's only your family that's able 
to do that in the way in which you've called us to do it. We celebrate you, Lord, and the peace that you provide. In Jesus' name, amen.